Uh, our reading, or readings today, uh, are taken from uh, Matthew. Uh, first one is Matthew uh, chapter 4, and it's verses 23 to 25. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, which says this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and across and the region across the Jordan followed him. And then I'm going to skip ahead uh, to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to chapter 9, verse 8. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through to 9, verse 8, which says this. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us in to the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. When the crowd saw this, 
They were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to men. We at Usually Baptist Church are currently working through a series in sermons, at least when I preach. I don't preach every week, um, but when I preach I'm working through a series. Um, And we're looking at discipleship, or more accurately, we're looking at the disciples uh, and their experiences, um, mostly through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, And so, unsurprisingly, we started with Jesus called the disciples. So the first thing that we discovered about them was they were called and they dropped everything and they followed him. I think we're probably all fairly familiar with that side of what happened with the disciples. Uh, Last week we were looking uh, at the fact that the the disciples were taught. So the disciples were taught by Jesus. And the stuff that Jesus teaches, and you can read it in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, is kind of the opposite of what everybody else was teaching. It's the opposite of what the world says. When, when man says, oh, you know what? You know what we need to do to look after ourselves? We need to get a better job, to earn more money, to get the better house, the better car, to have more food in the fridge, and we'll be, we'll be self-reliant. And Jesus says, no. Do the opposite of that. Give everything away. Love your neighbour as yourself. And let God look after you. So he turned everything on its head. And I think, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be an amazing place to be if we all actually started living like that? It would be phenomenal. Um, And hopefully, one day, we will. But we're a work in progress. Now, the bit that we come to today is that the disciples, they witnessed miracles. Now, I don't mind reading about the miracles that the disciples witnessed and Jesus doing them. And as I was planning this series, I was thinking, can I get away with skipping over preaching on the miracles? Because it's not an easy bit to preach on. Because if I'm honest, I'm a little bit sceptical. Because if I'm honest, I'd love to be able to go, let me just pray for that person who's unwell, who's unable to walk, who's maybe got a severe mental health problem, and I'd love to see them healed, miraculously, in a moment, like like Jesus did. And if I'm honest, I struggle, from my own experience, to find examples where that has happened. And so I think, oh, we're supposed to be like Jesus. That's what being a Christian is about. Being a disciple is about becoming more like him. And if I'm supposed to become more like him, then maybe I'm supposed to witness miracles. Maybe more than that, maybe I'm actually supposed to experience miracles. And it becomes easier when I think, oh, well, life itself is a miracle. The new day is a miracle. The wonder that is... Uh, new life as spring's going to approach. I know we've had the coldest week of the year so far. It's been a lovely mild winter and we've enjoyed that. But it's been cold and it's been a bit grey and drizzly. But actually, that's all really helpful. And in a few weeks' time, we'll be coming to church going, oh, isn't it lovely? The snowdrops are poking through and there's daffodils. And Oh, isn't it wonderful? Isn't God great and marvellous at this miracle of life? And those sorts of miracles, no problem. I'm, I'm all for celebrating those. I experienced them 
all the time. When it comes to these sorts of miracles, where it's people brought to him with illnesses, with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed and having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them, I go, ooh. And my experience, and I don't know what yours is, is those churches that I know of that claim to, and hopefully do have, more experiences where they say, we've seen healings, they have healing services. And they get really excited and passionate. The Pentecostal churches tend to get a bit lively. I don't know if you've been to a Pentecostal church. I've been to some Pentecostal churches. I have to do a placement uh, as part of my training. And I'm currently um, going every now and again. I'll be there next Sunday. Going to a Pentecostal church so that I can experience what a different denomination is like that I know less about. And they get lively and excitable. And they pray for the Holy Spirit and they expect miracles and they say they see miracles and it's all fantastic. And there's a bit of me that goes, that's great, I want to believe it, but it all feels a bit kind of, I don't know. And I've been in those meetings, in fact, I was at a meeting not that long ago. In a place that I'm used to going to, it's not a place where I kind of go, oh, they're a bit weird and out there with their... Holy Spirit ways. It's a place that I'm used to. I'm not going to mention it in case anybody else knows it. Um, but it's a place that is, is a place that I know and I feel safe and comfortable in. And uh, somebody preached. They spoke. And then they said, and they talked about the church that they were from. And they said what they've been doing at their churches, they felt that God has been speaking to them and they should start to expect miracles. And they should start to expect to see healings. And not just the kind of, well, we'll pray for somebody and we'll say, well, God, whatever your will is, if you'd like to heal them miraculously, great. And if you'd like it to be in a hospital, that's great too. Because we like to put in that caveat that says, I'm not hugely faithful that you'll do it here. So if the doctors, which we, we're thankful for their skills, absolutely. But if they could do it, that's all right as well. And we'll be okay with that. But healing, whichever way, would be nice. And if you choose not to, well, we'll, we'll work that out. And so this man said, so we at our church have been praying. And we've started to pray for people. And we've been praying for people, particularly with back problems. And so we invited everybody in the room who had some sort of pain in their back to stand up. And so people did. And then he said, right, gather around those people that are close to you. If you've not got a back problem, turn around, lay a hand on and pray for the person, asking for this person to be healed. And uh, we did that. And he said, okay, has anyone experienced a reduction in pain? And a few people had. And of course everyone, oh, that's marvellous. This is great. It's working. And there was a bit of me that went, hmm, I'm still a bit sceptical. It's like, why just produce a little bit of pain? Why not, like, completely heal the back? And then I was driving home that same day from where I'd been, and I was listening to a programme on the radio. I listened to Radio 4. I realised that I'm getting older now that I listen to the radio stations that my dad listens to. Um, it used to be Radio 1, then it became Radio 2, and now I flip between Radio 2 and Radio 4. Um, and I, I lean more to Radio 4 now than Radio 2, and I don't know what's happening. 
But there we go. Maybe, maybe I need some sort of miracle in my life. But there we go. But the programme on the radio was about um, the, the placebo effect and how what they do when they're testing me new medications is they have to do tests and trials and some of them are placebos, but they don't tell the people that are taking the placebo that it's the placebo. Um, and for those who don't know what a placebo is, it's a tablet that's not real. It's like just made of sugar or something. Um, so some people will take the real tablet and some people will take something that's not going to have any impact and then they go, who's it helped? Uh, and if the one that's the real tablet shows that it actually helps and the, the fake tablet doesn't, then they go, this tablet, we might be onto something. If, however, everyone who's taken a tablet goes, oh, I feel loads better, they go, well, maybe it's not actually the tablet at all, it's in your mind. And what they were saying on this programme was they're really struggling at the moment because... More and more times, the test they do with the placebo, it's coming out that the placebo is more effective, or equally as effective. And so they're struggling, because they're not able to say, even though the company might go, we know it works, because we've done all the other tests, we, can't, we haven't got the right proof. And then they talked about back pain, and they said, if you have back pain, if you had a group of people with back pain, and you gave them all, you told them all you were treating it, 25% of those people, would, if you weren't really doing anything, you were giving them a placebo, would feel some positive benefit because it's in the mind. And I went, oh, that doesn't do anything to help my scepticism about these miracles. Thanks, God, what's going on here? And I come back to the scriptures and I read about Jesus and I read about the miracles that he performed and I think, okay... Should I be expecting to witness miracles? Should I have that expectation? Should we have an expectation that we are going to see God at work, not just in the ordinary, but in the miraculous? And I want to say yes. But I say that, and I share with you my scepticism, because I don't know how many of you are here, and you think, it's all right for somebody else. Surely the ministers, the vicars, they're, they're a bit holier than everybody else. They're not like us, because they've been to college, and they, they're getting ordained and stuff, and they've had special prayers said and whatnot. So they obviously, they should know. Actually, we're in the same boat. Right, well, I assume we are. I mean, Richard might be different. Nick might be different. I think we're in the same boat. And I look at some of the services that I've been to and I think, what? why do we need a big poster up or to put on a big show to say, there's going to be a healing service? Because actually, my, my own personal experience with Jesus is that he meets me where I am. And in, in those examples that were there, it was, it was on the boat. The disciples were on the boat. Now, if you know about the disciples, some of them were fishermen. They'd spent their lives on boats. They were used to storms. They were used to being out in rough weather. Jesus must be the calmest person ever, which would make sense. And he, he does talk earlier in Matthew about not worrying about anything. Well, he was there with some fishermen who were used to storms and he's asleep whilst they're having a panic attack. That's, 
that's pretty, that must be some storm. Because I've, I've, I grew up in the southwest, I've met fishermen. I know that fishermen are some of the hardest working, most kind of, don't like to say manly men, but they're real kind of rugged workers. They, they deal with all sorts and they go out in all sorts of weather. They also know when not to go out. And I suspect that if the disciples who were following Jesus, I've looked at the clouds, I know what's coming, it's best not to go out. It would have made more sense at that point if Jesus said, it's all right, I'm in control, we'll, we'll keep it calm. But they don't, so they think that it's going to be okay at that point. And they get in the boat and they go out and Jesus falls asleep. And then the storm comes up and they call out to Jesus. And he meets them where they're at. And, and in some ways, he's a bit belittling of them, isn't he? You have little faith, why are you so afraid? And you think, well, I'd be terrified. And, and to be honest, I'm not sure I'd have thought to wake up Jesus. My first thought, if I know what I'm doing as a fisherman, is, right, take down the master, do whatever you do in a storm, not, oh, we'll ask Jesus to help us, because um, he'll know what to do, because he's a teacher. Because te- well, teachers always do know what to do, I guess. So they already recognised that Jesus was special, but they'd never seen him do anything like this before. And they wake him up, and he says, you have little faith. What I find interesting is he doesn't say, God, would you calm the storm? He doesn't say, oh, if it's your will, like, and you don't mind, could you possibly just, could you calm the storm? It'd be nice if you could. He turns to the storm itself, and he rebukes it. And then they calm down. And then there's these two demon-possessed men. If you know your Bibles, you might read this story in other Gospels. And you'll say, there's only one man in some of the other Gospels. Obviously, different people remembered it in slightly different ways. I'm okay with that. And there's this man who's described as being demon-possessed. And he's living amongst tombs um, in... Uh, some of the other translations it talks about him being, they tried to shackle him or them, and, and he breaks the chains with his own strength. So there's something going on with him. And these demons see Jesus and they go, oh, whoa, 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 hey, no, no, uh, no, don't, don't, don't hurt us. And Jesus then sends them off into the pigs. And the demon-possessed man is made free. The demons are gone. And he is of right mind. But then the people see him and they go, Ooh, this man is scary. Like, Jesus can do that? Actually, that makes him quite a scary person. Because if, if I'd come across somebody like that, actually, gee, that would be a scary experience to see someone go from this place of appearing demon-possessed and so strong that they can break chains and then this one man comes along and says, done. Without, without a big song and dance, it doesn't sound like he spent hours <laughs> praying or worshipping God or doing He just appears and says, go. And he speaks to the demons and they go. And I think what's important for us there is actually, we might think that when we're talking about Jesus to people outside of the church, that we go, well, he's lovely, he's wonderful, he's fantastic, he's a healer. Sometimes that is a frightening thing for people to hear. Sometimes people aren't ready to hear that because it is not what they're used to. 
It's not what our world is used to. And then he gets into this boat and he goes and he sees some men and the paralytic man is brought forward. And Jesus offers forgiveness of his sins and that causes a bit of uproar amongst the teachers of the law. And then he says, get up and go home. And there's no big song and dance. There's no big long description that says, and, and he called them forwards and he got really loud and, it, and they laid hands and more people came and they were really going for it or anything like that. He simply said go. And the man got up and was able to go home. And you see, I think part of the problem that I've had with miracles, part of the difficulty I have is I'd love to see them. I really would. But there's also a bit of me that's afraid. Because what would it mean for me if actually I started to experience miracles? If I really, if, because suddenly, if I suddenly prayed and someone like, who was unable to walk suddenly walked again, that would be challenging for me. That would be really challenging for me. Partly because I go, oh my goodness, uh, I wasn't expecting that. Partly because I suspect other people would go, oh, that was amazing. Wow, uh, come and meet Rick. You've got, I've got a friend. And people would start bringing their friends. And you go, oh, I've got a friend who's got cancer. I've got a friend who's got this. I've got a friend who's got that. I've got a friend. Can you pray for them? Can you heal them? And I'd be going, I don't know. I just I like said a quiet prayer and they, it wasn't me. But suddenly I've got a feeling that people would start to take a bit more interest in my ministry than perhaps they do at the moment. can imagine the press turning up. And it might start off with, you know, Get West London, the website or the Gazette or something. And they go, oh, I hear you healed this person. Um, and I'd be like, it wasn't me. And, uh, it's all... and suddenly there'd be lots of attention on me, which I wouldn't like. So I, I don't know. And then there'd be those times where it wouldn't work. And I'd go, oh. But what do people think about me? If I prayed for someone and they were healed and then I prayed for the next person, it didn't work out. What? Oh, maybe I'm not as... Oh. But there's a bit of me that would love to see some miracles. And you see, I think that actually God does want to do miracles. And, and not everybody that Jesus meets is healed. Not every situation does a miracle get performed. There's plenty of people that don't get healed. There's plenty of people that don't experience a miracle. Because whilst there is a day coming when there will be no more pain and no more suffering and no more dying, that day is not yet here. There's a great expression uh, that talks about the kingdom of God being here now but not yet. And it's like God breaks through into, into our world in kind of moments. So Jesus came and the Holy Spirit comes and we get to have a glimpse of this kingdom and we have it now. But actually we've still got a way to go because, because the final judgment hasn't yet come. That time where we get to be in heaven with God for eternity hasn't yet come. So there will be times where it doesn't work out. But I think, and it's, going to be challenging for my ministry. 
going to be challenging for me personally. It's actually I need to start expecting miracles. Because the reason the disciples in the boat turned to Jesus in that moment was because they had an expectation that he could do something. The reason that those demons said to Jesus, don't hurt us, was because they had an expectation that he could do something. The reason that the men brought the paralytic man on the mat was because they had an expectation that he could do something. I, we, need to have an expectation that God can do something. And not only that, that he will do something. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. And I suspect that there are people here going, actually, I have got a bad back. Or actually, I've got a sore leg or a poorly toe. I've got a headache. I've got earache. I've... Maybe you have got cancer or a different disease or condition. Maybe others know about it. Maybe they don't. Maybe... That's not the sort of miracle you're longing for or hoping for in your life. Because Jesus didn't just heal people, he calmed a storm. Maybe actually in your life there is a storm. Not in terms of rough seas and winds, but actually just life is just blowing a gale. And stuff is going on. Now, I'm not going to make any promises Because actually, some of the things that we have are self-inflicted. I know that if I work too hard and stay up late, I get ill. That's what happens. And actually, what I need to do is get some rest. And God's made our bodies the way he has, so that we learn from them. But I also, I also know what I'm hoping for. I'm wanting to believe miracles. Now the greatest miracle of all is that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived like you and I. He died on a cross and he rose again. That we might have a relationship with God. That is the greatest miracle. That, that he chooses us. So the first thing I want to say is actually if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God and you would like to, then don't walk away this morning without saying, actually, Jesus, I want to know you. Come into my life. I want to, know, I want to be part of this miracle that is your salvation. If someone said to me, Rich, God wants to heal you, the last person I believe that God would heal is myself. I don't know why that is. I'd be okay praying for someone else to be healed, but I would struggle praying for myself. And I've I've done a little bit of reading recently and discovered that people who are involved in healing ministries actually find it hard to believe for themselves for healing. That's That's a common thing. I don't know why that is. So I know that if I say this morning, if you would like prayer for healing this morning, And if you have got that sense that God is nudging you, because some of us will be sat here going, that's not me. Yes, I've got a bad back or I've got a cold or I've got a whatever. But that's not me. There's, there's an example in the Gospels where Jesus 
is at a pool and he says to a man, do you want to be healed? And he says yes. And you think, well, why did he bother asking? Well, actually, there's probably a chance that he didn't want to be healed because his whole life was built around the fact that he had the condition he did. If, if you're just getting a nudge and you're thinking, oh, golly, why me? Oh, God, why me? Or possibly, oh, yes, please, God. Um, we don't do this here, but I've experienced. We don't do it very often. Anyway, I don't do it and say, if you would like someone to pray for healing for you, I'm going to invite you just to come quietly. There's some spaces at the front. And say, God, I've got this thing and I want to be free from it. Um, Then as we sing our next song, which says, build your kingdom here, then I invite you to come forward. And if no one comes, that's fine. If God, in this moment, doesn't do a miraculous thing that we might like to see, you know what? Yeah, that's a struggle, but I'm okay with that because we're not yet in that eternity. That is to come. But I want to have an expectation that in all things, God can overcome and perform miracles. I want to be like the disciples who expect it, who witness it, and if you read on, actually go out and get to be part of being involved in them. (coughs) 